it's part of your author platform, not just promoting yourself, but creating the possibility of a dialogue with the people who are going to read or who do read your work. And that can then inform the rest of your, how your work progresses, whether it's a novel or, or a series or, uh, you know, your writing can move in different directions thanks to that dialogue. Welcome to the Author Biz, the show that's all about the business of being an author. I'm your host, Stephen Campbell, and this is episode number 32. Wherever you are, however you listen, thanks for spending some of your time with me today. If you're an author in today's world, you're faced with the blogging question. You know the question, should I blog or shouldn't I? Some, including many publishers, feel strongly that we should all be blogging as authors. We're told it will help us to build our platforms and make it easier to sell books. While others have the exact opposite opinion, believing an author's writing time is best spent working on the next book. As you may have already guessed, today's show is all about author blogging. And while we may not be able to answer the should I or shouldn't I be blogging question, we will try and offer reasons why authors should at the very least consider it. My guest is Robin Houghton, the author of Blogging for Writers. Robin has over two decades of experience in marketing and communications, formerly with Nike, and she's been running her own business, Eggbox Marketing, since 2002. She now works primarily with writers and publishing industry professionals to help them make the best use of social media. Not surprisingly, she blogs herself on the subjects of social media and poetry. If you are interested in blogging, or maybe you're just on the fence about whether or not you should blog, this episode is for you. We're focused on the how and why parts of the discussion, and we don't get too deep into the technical end of the pool. Robin shares her thoughts on everything from planning and starting a blog, to selecting the right platform, to organizing your blogging to maximize the benefits while limiting the time it requires. As always, there are extensive show notes with links to everything mentioned during the show. For this week, they can be found at theauthorbiz.com slash Robin, and that's spelled R-O-B-I-N. If you like what you hear in this episode, you can subscribe to the show at the Author Biz website by clicking the big green Join Us button, or you can subscribe to the show at iTunes. If you do have an iTunes account, please consider leaving a review for the show. Reviews make the iTunes algorithm purr with delight, and they display the podcast to other users that can benefit by listening. Now let's get on with the show. Robin Houghton, welcome to The Author Biz. Hi, Stephen. Thanks for inviting me. It's great to be here. It's great to have you on the show. Blogging is a uh, hot topic right now. So before we get into that, uh, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and why you decided to write Blogging for Writers. Well, uh, my background actually is in marketing from uh, from way back, and I kind of moved into online marketing uh, back in the, the old days, like 1999, I think it was, and, uh, and I've run my own business helping small businesses with their online marketing and communications, and I got into the blogging scene, I suppose, mid to late 2000s, and I got asked to write a book called Blogging for Creatives. The title had already been decided, and actually 
lot of the content had kind of been decided, but they wanted someone to write it. Uh, my first reaction was, why write a book about blogging? Why don't you just blog and learn <laughs> as you go along? <laughs> but that was pretty stupid of me to think that, I think, because I wrote the book and it was successful. And that was 2012 that came out. And, and then the same publishers came back and said, we'd like you to do another one. And uh, we think that, you know, writers and authors are a a big market for this and would you be interested in doing it so I thought great and it's basically it's a it's a how-to uh manual it's really aimed at people who perhaps really haven't started in blogging or perhaps they've, they've thought about it but they just haven't got going it's just a kind it kind of walks you through holds your hand everything you need to really think about before you start and how to go about it and a lot of a lot of the questions that I get asked by people I've tried to incorporate the answers to them there the sorts of things that people ask one of the things I really like about the book is it's it's very informative. There are a lot of pictures which are really helpful for people <laughs> that are just starting out because yeah. all of this is so unfamiliar. And there are multiple platforms that you cover in the book. So if someone wants to blog using platform A, B, or C, you have them covered. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, people do remark that they love the look of it because it is full color. It's lots and lots of screenshots. Um, I know because I took most of them myself. Did you? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's also uh, there's contributions from so many writers, authors who've given their expert tips and their and their thoughts. Uh, and it's really been fun being able to profile them and to show people's actual blog sites and say, you know, this is this is what's going on. And yeah, the different platforms I had to kind of make decision you know and, and we went with wordpress.com uh we went with self-hosted wordpress and blogger uh but uh, other platforms are mentioned but yeah it's really you'd have to put so many different screenshots in to show every single platform it wouldn't really work so we concentrated on the big ones yeah that's a really good idea because you can really get in the weeds with with this kind of thing um you work with people all the time uh, as it relates to blogging obviously it, it's part of what you've been doing for a long time um, blogging for authors is sort of, I don't know, it's, it's a hot topic right now in that uh, the general rule a couple years ago was that all authors should blog. And now there's a little bit of pushback amongst authors that it's too time consuming, I should just be working on my book, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There are obvious reasons for blogging. Let's highlight a few of them uh, up front. Why should authors blog? Mm. You're right. It is a controversial topic. Um, the reasons that are usually said for blogging is, uh, why would you not? You know, it's part of your author platform. Uh, it's a chance to have a direct conversation with your readers. It's uh, your chance to kind of promote, to showcase what you're doing and who you are uh, in, a, in a much more direct way. Um, but yes, it is controversial. And I know uh, Jane Friedman has written some really interesting stuff about, you know, the other point of view. Mm -hmm. And people have said to me, you know, actually, I'm a writer, you know, I, I don't want to be putting myself out there, I want to be writing. And, and I've even had people say to me, I, uh, poets, for example, have said to me that they want to preserve a mystique, they, they don't want to kind of be, uh, be known, or they don't want to be googled all the time um so th there's there's different ways of looking at it but sorry i've gone on to the second part of the question haven't i um i think that i love blogging and i think that so many writers get so much out of it from their career perspective and also it can help develop your writing in so many ways and you know look at someone like neil gaiman i mean he is just uh, a lot of what he does is developed out of this dialogue that he has going with with his readers 
And that's a really good point, the opportunity to dialogue with your readers. That's something that you get into in the book a little bit. I, I will express a bias here towards blogging for a number of reasons, but you wrote a blog post the other day, something to the effect of why should you blog, and then there's like an image there, something something not found. And that's yeah, essentially yeah. it. If you don't If you don't have a blog, it's that much harder for readers to find you. Because yeah. you don't rank in search engines, it, it's just a problem. <laughs> that's uh, that's right. Um, I mean, I think you, you could you could say, well, actually, I don't blog, but I have, um, you know, I have my LinkedIn page, or I have my Facebook page, or I have my my author profile page at the publisher, which is at least something. But yes, my point in that blog post was that uh, you have a chance to control. Uh, how you what gets found out about you on the web by presenting yourself in such a way that that you would have that direct connection um, and it, it's it's in your control whereas uh, somewhere else it's not I think that's the main thing yeah everybody everyone who's on Facebook knows that Facebook changes things from time to time Twitter hasn't started changing things yet that I've noticed but they may at some point LinkedIn may at some point so your website and your blog your your is a which is a way of having outreach with your with your readers or people who might become readers is something that you own and you control and it it really is just about the only thing that you own and you control in in the online world well yeah yeah as much as one can own and control anything in the online world i guess <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah i think google owns it all doesn't it actually <laughs> well, I, you're right you're right we're all renting it but, from google <laughs> but but yeah i mean and you can uh, and this is also an argument between a hosted uh, blog and a and a self-hosted you know when we get down to that level of nitty-gritty that there is there's this question of how much control uh, mm-hmm. do you want over over how you present yourself and it's also not just connecting with sort of readers connect with you it's particularly if you're starting out you know it's so that uh you don't miss out on opportunities i've been on both sides of this uh with with poetry i'm I'm part of a poets publishing collective and when we tried to reach out to some poets who we thought looked talented and interesting we were interested in in maybe publishing them uh one or two just fell by the wayside because we could not find any trace of them online and that that said two things to us that said that a they're not going to really be part of the collective in that helping promote the collective and the rest of us uh both online and offline because they don't have the tools or whatever or the inclination but also it makes you think well you know um what what why are they not taking an interest in in how they present themselves and their work which is a good point it's something that we all you would think we would all want to there there is the ideal of being in the writer's cave and just writing whatever mm-hmm. it is you're writing, whether it be poetry or fiction or nonfiction, mm-hmm. and producing it and having the world fall at your feet, and you don't have to do anything beyond just the production. But for most of us, that's not reality. That's absolutely right. And and I, I, again, I would still say that any kind of blogging, if it's done in a in a thoughtful way, and it's and you're speaking from the heart, and you're you're talking about stuff that means some something to you, it will improve your writing in all spheres. I I, I do believe that quite strongly. And I, I do as well. Uh, so let's let's take this all the way back to the very beginning. So there's mm-hmm. let's say there's someone listening to the show that's thinking about blogging. They're not sure whether they want to do it or not. Um, you've got a little section in the front of your book about planning and you know what you want to accomplish. What are the different kinds of things that uh, an author might want to accomplish with a blog? 
usually the first reason people come up with is to promote their work, whether it's a published book or a self-published book or perhaps you're, you're blogging a book, so your blog is going to become a book. But kind of promotion is kind of the first thing that, people, that comes to people's minds. And that's that's absolutely fine. But I think there's a lot of other reasons why you, why, why you might want to blog. Um, we've touched on the idea of it's part of your author platform, um, not just promoting yourself, but creating the possibility of a dialogue with the people who are going to read or who do read your work. And that can then inform the rest of your, uh, how your work progresses, uh, whether it's a novel or, or a series or, uh, you know, your writing can move in different directions thanks to that dialogue. So a blog gives you that possibility. So that, that so promoting yourself, having a direct conversation with, with your readership and um, I suppose those are the two main things, really. Now, another thing that a beginning blogger, and not just beginning bloggers, I worry about this all the time, and, and so I'll just use myself as an example now. I try and present a professional persona when I'm doing these shows and when I'm blogging. There are times where I want to go outside of that a little bit, but I don't because I have this persona. And yeah. you recommend in the book that that before we even get started, that we think about that persona and and give some thought to how we want to appear, our, our writing to appear in the world. There are there are yeah. a lot of people out there that have, I don't know, really, I, I'll call them out there personas that where they really express their voice in a vivid way, and they really connect with people. I'm not able yeah. to do that because I'm trying to present this really professional image. Um, but but some of the some of the bloggers and you highlighted some in the book that are just so out there language wise <laughs> and the things they're talking about, and they tend to be the ones that are drawing the biggest audiences. <laughs> yeah, I think I know who you're referring to there, particularly. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a real eye-opener for me, actually, to, to come across some people's uh, blogs and the fact that they are, uh, you know, they are true to themselves and, you know, this is me and this is my style, take it or leave it. Mm -hmm. And and that is one of the beauties of blogging, I think, the fact that you can do that. You don't have to tread the corporate line. And some people will say, well, okay, I have my corporate, if you like, uh, face, which is my, my, the, the, my, published, my profile on my publisher's page or my official website for me as an author. But I also have a blog. And my, the blog is where I'm a little bit more conversational, a little bit, a little bit less guarded, I'm more myself. But where you draw that line is such a personal decision. And that's why I think it's worth thinking about from, from the get-go. Because it's, it, I can't say to someone, this is... Uh, this is where you draw the line you know I would I can only say personally this is what works for me I I know there are times when I'm about to publish a blog post or I'm about to tweet something and I just have a second thought about it and and then I decide not to because I kind of I'm I'm sensing where where the line is between professional personal connecting in a real way and still staying you know a, a, the, the writer the professional person and still you know having respect for people and and being perceived how I how I would like people to think of me um but it, it's a personal decision and you have to decide on that and I know that some people will say for example I don't have children but I know people who've said to me um I, I, I blog and I talk about uh, things to do with my home life as well as my writing life, but uh, I don't I don't say my children's names or mm -hmm. 
I don't show photographs of my children. They'll, they'll have a particular uh, line that they won't cross. And yet other people are, you know, their family is all over their blog. So uh, it is a, it's a personal decision, but you definitely worth thinking about right, right from the start. And you'll never stop thinking about it, I think. Right. And, and to be able to be consistent, I think, is helpful because the people that build a, a, a persona that connects with people over time have a tendency to be connect or, or to be consistent. It's not a really professional thing one time and then something that's really out there the next time. It's their voice is their voice and yeah. you either love it or you hate it. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. It doesn't mean you have to blog about the same stuff all the time. Um, but I think that, uh, no, it, yeah, if you, if you go off piece now and again, that's fine. But uh, people will get used to that because that's just the way you are. Right. All right. Let's talk about technology a little bit, and we'll get into the different platforms. Uh, we'll get into the benefits and maybe the drawbacks of some of these platforms. Um, start wherever you like. Just pick one and and give us a little riff on it, and then we'll, we'll talk about the others. Okay. Well, WordPress is the platform that uh, comes to mind quite often for writers because from the early days, it was always considered the platform of choice um, if you are into words as opposed to a photographer or, you know, more of a visual uh, blogger. And when people are starting off, they'll say, okay, uh, do we want to have the free version of WordPress that it's all hosted? People don't always understand the difference between uh, WordPress.com and WordPress that you get from WordPress.org. So I I explain that in the book. Uh, and basically, if you're a beginner, you could start with WordPress.com because it doesn't cost a dime. And basically, you can just you can have a blog up and running within a few minutes. Uh, it's very, very simple. Those are the blogs we see that might be authorname.wordpress.com. Exactly. But of course, you can actually have that uh, disguised. You can have your own URL, your mm-hmm. own domain name, um, but you have to you pay a little upgrade for that. Okay. So that I think that's the thing with WordPress.com. It's a great way to start. And uh, I know there are people who really disagree with me on this. They say, never go with a hosted blog. You should always self-host right from the start because then you own it and all kinds of other reasons. Um, but I do say to people, if you are a, a bit of a technophobe and you're not quite sure, start with a hosted blog, WordPress.com. Uh, get, you will get used to the dashboard. You'll feel familiar with it. And then if you want to move it to, uh, to a hosted version of it, at least you're already familiar with the software and you, you kind of know your way around. Um, but I think for beginners to go straight into uh, a, a self-hosted blog, there are so many pitfalls that you just don't know about security, updating stuff, plugins. It's a it's a lot to learn uh, to begin with. Well, even, and, and let's dig into this a little bit, uh, even mm-hmm. just starting with WordPress.com, there's a lot to dig in. To, to create a site and to begin blogging, it's... It's really, it's very simple to use a stock theme and, you know, you've got that Hello World post that's already there. You can go in and, and create a post very quickly. It, to me, it's, it's almost analogous to like building a house. You can start building, you start with the foundation and the foundation is the platform, the post, and, you know, a little bit of content. And then you start designing and adding things and it just over time it just gets better and better and better and the learning curve while it's not tremendously steep there is a learning curve yeah 
you're you're right there. I like that analogy of the house building because yes, you can uh, you can start and you and you can stay small if you want, but you have the potential to really create something magnificent. And and that's something people don't always realize from the start is that the value of your blog builds over time. Mm-hmm. It, you know, you keep adding to it, and those blog posts don't disappear. They create a fantastic archive. It's all found in, in Google searches. So you know, it gets better and better. And and uh, and you will inevitably change the look of it over time. Um, so it's it's great fun in that respect. It's it's a great tool. It really is. And I, if it were me, because I've spent my entire life in the technology business, I I would recommend that people do the self-hosted version of WordPress unless the idea of the technology is overwhelming. And then WordPress.com or something like that makes a yeah. lot of sense because it's it's easy to get your feet wet and start producing content. And it's also fairly easy if you decide at some point in the future that you want to take it off WordPress and do a self-hosted blog, that you can do that. Yeah, that, that's exactly it. And that's why I think WordPress.com perhaps wins over, say, Blogger. Although I've had people say to me that they love Blogger. It's much improved uh, since the mid-2000s. And But once you're in on Blogger, I think it's uh, the idea of moving to another platform is probably quite daunting because it is so different. Uh, well, they're all different, as you know, mm-hmm. but it's different It's different from WordPress. If you started on WordPress.com, it's, quite, it's, it's reasonably straightforward to move to the self-hosted version. Um, I, just, I see so many people who really are frightened of the technology and the fact that they can have something on wordpress.com where all the kind of security is done for them and they don't have to worry about anything like that uh, that's that allows them to concentrate on thinking about what am i going to put on this blog and uh, and 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 think about the part of it they enjoy which is the writing and the creating N- most writers most authors aren't aren't going to be techies and they're not necessarily going to uh, you know love the the fiddling around to to get the widget in exactly that position or whatever <laughs> you know you've got to be a bit geeky to enjoy that sort of stuff you do and we all see these sites that are fantastic and they've got these fabulous images and they've got things floating across the screen and they're they're doing all these wonderful things but but none of that gets you more readers. What gets you more readers to your blog is having good content. So you can have a static-looking blog with a plain old theme and produce great content on a fairly regular basis and have way more readers than someone with a really glitzy, fancy-looking theme. Totally. Uh, that's absolutely absolutely true and when I was researching the book I came across that uh, again and again and people who are very happy on a, a very basic template you know a theme that that I recognize straight away is used by so many people and yet they like it they haven't really changed the theme mm-hmm. but the content is terrific you know they're blogging every day they've, they've just built up a, a fabulous following of readers who they see through all that stuff so yeah I would say spend time planning and thinking about what, your, what great unique content you're going to have on there rather than worrying too much about the look and feel uh, beyond, you know, a bit of customizing. I, I would say customize your theme a little bit so it's not identical to the version that you started with. Yes, but it's, it's really easy to, as you mentioned earlier, to get in the weeds worrying about exactly where this should be done. And, yeah. and I'm, I fall <laughs> prey to that all the time myself. It's like, I'd like this to be two inches smaller. And Yeah, yeah, me, me too. Yeah, I, I like 
playing around and I've done way too much playing around with blogs and websites and stuff and wasted time I think because <laughs> it, it's never quite how I want it I'm never quite satisfied but uh, but there you are okay so if we want to go to blogger or wordpress.com we can set up a blog essentially in minutes yeah and Literally. and we can begin blogging if we yeah. want to do a self-hosted blog using the software provided by WordPress.org, mm. what are the steps? Not not let's not get into too much detail, but what are the steps in finding a host, setting up an account, and then setting up WordPress? And is it something that the average person can do in an afternoon? Um, in an afternoon, uh, it is something the average person can do. In an afternoon, I'm not sure because you need to do a little bit of you need to do a little bit of research because yes, you need to find a, a host. In other words, um, a, a hosting service where you can actually uh, have your blog sit. And a lot of the big name hosting services will have what what they call a one click install of WordPress. So in other words, they are they are kind of geared up to to you having WordPress on there and it's not a big it's not a big hassle and it's quite easy to do but you do need to to find a hosting service um, you need to and that's going to cost money you mm-hmm. pay an annual fee you need uh, a domain name and uh, and I think those are the two main things so in in general and I you know I everyone charges differently for these things but there are there are places where you can get hosting for, say, $75 a year. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are places you can get it for a lot more. There are places you might be able to get it for a little bit less, but say $75 a year and say $15 for your domain. Again, there are places that that you can pay less or or more. So that's $90, which is not inconsequential. But if you do spend the $90 and spend the time to get it set up, you have a little bit more flexibility initially in the different things that you can do with your site. You certainly do. You are suddenly you, there are many, many more themes or templates that you can you can install. Uh, you, you, there are what are called plugins, which means that you can add all kinds of functionality to your to your site. Basically, uh, when you have installed the software from WordPress.org, it because it is open source. In other words words anyone with the know-how can change it and can modify it it means that you could either you or more sensibly if you're not technical you would employ someone who knows wordpress to customize your blog exactly how you want it and and they'd be able to advise on uh, which plugins to install but that you know there are thousands millions i'm sure millions <laughs> billions i don't know um, yeah uh, of, thing, of things that you can do to to really uh, make your blog a lot more exciting and unique now from purely from a technical standpoint i've done this myself you probably have as well you see some really glitzy cool new plug-in and you plug it in <laughs> and all of a sudden your site stops working oh no disaster yeah i think you have to do a bit of due diligence yes. before installing a plug-in and this is where I mean, the information is there. It's just you have to kind of check it out. Check out, for example, who's made this plugin. Is it a, is it a firm that have done a lot of other stuff? And you can see you can see how big they are when you go to the plugins directory. And you can also see how many people have have downloaded that plugin. You can see whether there is uh, it, it, is there any documentation? Is there a support group uh, around it? Uh, what support does the plugin uh, developer offer? And uh, if you if you pay for something, generally speaking, uh, whether it's a theme or a plugin, 
there's more likelihood that there's going to be some kind of support if something goes wrong. Whereas if something is free, then you're probably just out there on your own. Uh, you've messed up and you're going to have to find someone to fix it for you. So, yeah, it can be a bit of a nightmare. So that's one of the kind of things to just be very careful what you plug in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and let's define terms here a little bit. Uh, yeah. A theme, just give a quick definition of a theme because we've mentioned the term several times. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. So a theme in WordPress is basically a template. So it is the the bare bones of your blog. It'll have, for example, it'll tell you, it'll give you the choice of whether you have two columns or three columns. It will have maybe a couple of different layouts you can choose. It might have a a masthead or a banner across the top. It'll come with some some, uh, pre-installed widgets, which are little bits of functionality, like you can put a, a Twitter feed in your sidebar or something. It'll come with certain color schemes and sometimes there's only one colorway that you can pick so you can't always change the background colors but uh, and you can't always uh, add a logo sometimes you can it just depends so it's kind of it's the bare bones of what your blog looks like that is your theme but of course they're only called themes in wordpress uh, as, as <laughs> right. with everything with blogging they've all got their proprietary terminology so it's a it's a template in blogger um so most people understand the word template but in wordpress it's a theme and then a plug-in is a, basically what it sounds like it's something that you plug into your theme that does something that's right, because uh, as I said, WordPress is open source. So that means that somebody who understands how to manipulate the source code of, of this WordPress software, they can create a little standalone, uh, with a little, little program really, a little computer program that stands alone, and it works with WordPress. So you can literally um, stick it on the side, you know, like a, a new, I don't know, a new fireplace uh, in your house or something, mm-hmm. and, and it offers some functionality that, that, that you didn't have before. It could be something visual on the site, you know, a fancy widget, or it could be something that you don't see, but it helps. For example, there are various security plugins, and they are. Uh, it's essential to have security on a WordPress site because it's open source. That means there's that people with uh, bad ideas can get in there and do stuff, so you need to have security in mm-hmm. place, and there are various plugins for that. So it could be something visual, or it could be something that works, uh, you know, under the hood. Now, a a plug-in that everyone would be familiar with, I'll I'll give a couple of examples. One, we all see these... We all see these blogs, and the, the functionality is either built into the theme or you add a plug-in, where at the bottom of the post, there's something where you can tweet out the post or like it on Facebook or share it on you know, any oh, yeah. number of sites. That can yeah. be a plug-in. It can be built in. Um, yeah. Another thing that uh, can be a plug-in if you're running the, the software version, the self-hosted version, mm-hmm. is uh, a MailChimp or whatever email list service you're using, you can get a plug-in that will allow you to show your subscriber form at different locations of the website. And we've all seen that. We've all seen things that will pop up in the middle of a website and ask you to subscribe. That's a plug-in as well in most cases. Um, All of those things from a purely technological standpoint require resources and they can slow down your site, but they add a lot of value too. Yeah, yeah, that, that's right. And you've mentioned some of the big ones. Um, and there's a there's a, a an anti spam, an anti comment spam plugin called Akismet, and that's that often gets. I think that actually comes built in with WordPress.com. I think it is, um, and I've never exactly known what it is, but it's wonderful. <laughs> it's 
great, isn't it? I mean, you've only got to look at the, you know, you can see how many spam comments have been blocked. Yes. It basically, uh, if, for people not familiar with it, it's, um, it, basically it takes away any rubbish comments that might be left on your blog. And people do worry about comments, um, both from the point of view of, I think people worry that what if somebody leaves a horrible comment or a libelous comment, but also there are a lot of spammy comments and we've probably all seen them when we go to sites. An abandoned blog is a great place for these spammy comments trying to sell all kinds of rubbish. Um, but Akismet is very good. It blocks them at source. So you never, you never see those on your blog. Okay. Let's, now, we've got our website set up. We've got our blog set up. We've written the first post. Now what do we do? What are we, what are we going to write for our second <laughs> post? What do we blog about? Oh, scary stuff. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a big question, isn't it? And it's quite frightening when you look at this blank theme and you're thinking, oh, no, I've got to put something on there. Um, I, I, I tend to encourage people right from the start, think about your content as if you were a, uh, an editor of a magazine or a newspaper. You know, you've got to plan ahead and you've got to think in terms of, okay, um, how often am I going to blog? And, and be realistic. There's no point starting and thinking, right, I'm going to blog once a day and then find, you know, after the first two posts, you, you don't blog for a month. So it's a, and it can't scenario. happen that quickly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you know, <laughs> I think I do say at the beginning of the book, actually, that the, the vast majority of blogs are abandoned within a year. So you have to really keep at it. But I think, you know, as long as you, you set your expectations, you're realistic, you think, OK, how often am I going to blog? And you've already thought at this point about what you're going to be blogging about, whether it's going to be, um, you know, whether it's just going to be your writing process. Is it going to be promoting uh, your latest, you know, you can't, you can't just promote your latest book. You've got to have other content. So start thinking, okay, what other content is going to be of interest? Who is going to be reading my blog and what are they interested in? And if your, if your target audience is readers or potential readers, that's slightly different from, blogging for your peers let's say and you, I often come across a writer's blog where they might talk about stuff that's of interest to other writers but you think is this of interest to the readers so so think about your audience think about the kinds of things you can talk about and, and draw inspiration from blogs that you enjoy you know do some digging and and some reading and this will give you inspiration and then you just need to create an editorial calendar and that's something that people sometimes sort of roll their eyes at, you know, an editorial calendar, it's just me and my blog, you know, but actually, if you're thinking in terms of content, then it makes it so much easier if you've done a rough plan, you know, okay, I'm doing one blog post a week. And so you write down, you can literally, you can do it, you can write it by hand, or you can do it on a spreadsheet. Uh, or if you've, you, there are plugins that do it for you, if you've got self-hosted WordPress, and you can plan out the next sort of three months, okay, one post a week, I'm going to do one uh, interview with another author. I'm going to do one uh, opinion piece. I'm going to do a how-to. I'm going to do, a, a, you know, where I am at with my writing. And so you have different types of blog posts with different types of content, and you can put them into your calendar, and you have a kind of a skeleton plan. And even if you don't stick to it, it's fantastic to be able to refer to that to, to jog your memory or to sort of get you thinking again, and yeah, yeah, I can write about that. So I think having an editorial calendar and keeping it updated is, is the key. And I, th I think that's right as well. And I love that you put that in the book. You had a specific section in there about uh, editorial calendars. I want to share a quick story. I was at a writer's conference uh, about a year ago at, at Sleuth Fest, and a mystery writer was doing a, a bit on 
blogging, basically. And it, hmm. it, it was, um, so the room was full. She started by asking the question. This was, her name was Terry O'Dell. Mm-hmm. And she started by saying, how many of you have read my books? I think maybe one person raised their hand. <laughs> how many people know me from my blog? Everyone in the room raised their hand. And hmm. I cornered her afterwards because I've been reading her blog for a while. And you get, you read blogs in RSS readers or via email or whatever. You don't, you don't read everything. You just see the things that are of interest to you. Yeah. And in my own mind, she was a incredibly prolific blogger who's just putting out all this amazing content. And I asked her how she did it. And she said, if you look really closely, I write one post a week. Then I have a recipe and I have a picture. So I post three times a week, but one is just a picture, and it's a, you know, guess where this was taken? One mm-hmm. is a recipe, and one is a post about something that her readers would be interested in. So she she knocks it all out in probably an hour and a half, hour and a half a week. She's got three posts, and she really connects with people by doing those things. And And you made made the point in the book, the idea of having regular features. And that's exactly what she did. She had these regular features. And for me, when I think about regular features, I think about something really complicated and that's going to be hard to do, but it can be as simple as a recipe. That's absolutely right. And I love the idea of, you know, a photo. <laughs> because, I mean, how hard is that? Right. To post, to post a photo. And, and also, a lot of content can be written in advance and scheduled in advance, which mm-hmm. is the other thing. And I think sometimes people think, you know, actually, you've got to sit down, especially in the early days, when you know when you're still a bit unfamiliar with the software, and you sit down, and you, you write your post, and then three days later, oh, I forgot, where do I, you know, you're kind of, you're a little bit, whereas if you have some kind of content that you can write in advance and you can pre-schedule it, you could sit down on a Sunday morning, block off three or four hours and say, right, I'm going to write, you know, uh, six or seven short blog posts of a kind that I can pre-schedule or that are timeless. And you're in the zone, you're in the zone and you're you're using the software and you you write more quickly. Uh, So there's so many tips and tricks yeah you're right the series idea is great and finding stuff that you can pre-schedule and and keeping it simple where you can and once you start doing this once you start generating content well let's take a step back let's go to the second post the first post is oh my gosh here's my blog because we all do that and then the second post is something that we think might be interesting to people and we read it a hundred times and we edit it as carefully as we can and we click that publish button and we see it on our site and of course there's a, a typo in the heading or something or in the headline. <laughs> <laughs> so we go in and we change that and then we wait for comments and, and for this because we've just published it to the world wide web. <laughs> Everyone's, everyone can see it now, right? So what happens then? We get like you know what, a thousand people see it the first day, a hundred thousand. How's that work? <laughs> That's so funny, isn't it? It's true, actually. People say, oh, no, it's the World Wide Web. I can't say that. It's going to go to the World Wide Web. I say, you're lucky if anybody sees it. I think, um, you know, the, you have to kind of have a reality check, first of all, and realize there are billions of websites out there. And we've only we've all only got a certain amount of um, time, time uh, on our hands. But, uh, yeah, there is that scary feeling it's out there. The first thing of, is, of course, you can edit it. So you can always go back and change. But I wouldn't go, I wouldn't encourage writers to do a lot of editing and and going back in because that that is just 
overthinking it, I think. Uh, this is where perhaps I diverge from uh, some people say to me, how can you possibly say don't proofread and don't spell check every single thing, you know, before you hit the publish button? I must admit, I'm a little bit more slapdash than that because I sort of think I can, if I spot something, I'll go back and change it. Or if it's something really stupid, I can make a joke of it. But I just think that the immediacy of it is important. You just got to get it out there and move on. And yeah, people sort of say, well, I didn't get any comments. And you think, well, you get your first blog post. And say, yeah, but it's been six weeks and I've still not had any comments. And I just say, you know, just relax there. You know, hey, it's just, and when you do get a comment, you think, oh, good, one person is reading it. But I, I always say to people, that is the tip of the iceberg. You know, the com- if you think of a big triangle, right at the top, the teeny weeny weeny bit at the top, they, those are the commenters. And then slightly further down the triangle, you've got people who, who actually read your whole blog post and then the majority at the bottom people who perhaps just read the title or perhaps even just see the link to your blog flashing by on their twitter feed and don't Mm -hmm. actually read it but you are kind of on their radar and one day they'll see something interesting and they'll click so um so I, i say to people you know if you've had one comment that then think of that as tip of the iceberg you've probably got a thousand people maybe who are aware of the fact that you're blogging um and maybe you've got 10 people who read that actual post uh, but it will definitely go up as you say as you said at the beginning the value of your blog is the content and if you are if you are producing stuff that is either entertaining informative useful or preferably all three then people will keep coming back and they'll want to hear what you've got to say so yeah don't stress that if there's no comments you just gotta you've got to take that leap and uh, and believe in what you've got to say and just keep going and expect as we've said now multiple times, but we'll say it again, expect that it's going to take some time mm. before you build an audience. And it really yeah. does, and, and some time can be a year. Yeah, it does take a long time. You can get a lucky break, and somebody who's got a lot of followers, say on Twitter, or a lot of a lot of um, followers of their blog, might reblog or mention something that you've blogged, and that can give you a boost because it can put your blog in front of uh, in, uh, under the radar of a lot of people who otherwise wouldn't know about it. So those sorts of little little good blips can happen, but the work is really in. The day-to-day, you know, I am I am keeping this blog going. I'm thinking about what content I'm putting out there. Um, I'm being of value to people and believing in it. And someone who I admire greatly who talks about this very sensibly is Dan Blank of mm-hmm. We Grow Media. And he, uh, he talks about um, don't think of it as uh, broadcasting at all. It is building your audience one person at a time. So if one person reads your blog posts and and perhaps retweets it or or even just thinks that that was interesting I'm going to subscribe or I'm going to read again then you've your blog post has been a success and it will build from there. So so think about uh, building your audience one person at a time and and it really does come on over time. And everybody I know that's been blogging for any period of time has the story of the blog post they wrote that someone else retweeted and it went crazy. And all of a sudden their traffic went from 20 people today to 700 people one day, then 500 people the next day, then 200 the next day, then back to 20. (laughs) And it's devastating when that happens because you think, oh, look at this plateau I've reached, but it's, you know, you you had a spike and you picked up some additional readers and you go from there. But you can't look at it as though, wow, I was at 700 yesterday and now I'm back to 20. 
Yeah. And, uh, you know, what, what, what am I doing wrong? You're doing everything right. It just takes time. And these spikes, you just are thankful when they happen and move on. That's that's absolutely true, and and like you say, that's exactly how it happens, isn't it? You get this fantastic uh, viral moment, <laughs> and then and then you and then you're back to reality within a few days, usually. And um, and and I think I think that's very that's very typical. And yes, you will have picked up more more readers, and it's amazing how you think you've got. You look at your subscriber numbers or your comments, and you for a long time, and you're just thinking, "Am I really building an audience?" And then you'll you'll be surprised. I know people. It's happened to me. I think it happens to everyone. You'll be at an event one day or you'll be somewhere and someone will say, are you, you know, are you Robin Houghton? You know, I, I read your blog and, and you think, gosh, you know, people are reading it, but they don't always come forward and tell you and they don't mm-hmm. always comment. So they most often do not comment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It takes effort. You know, it takes a big effort to comment, doesn't it? I mean, one of the things I say to people when they're starting out blogging is make the make the effort to uh, to treat people, other bloggers, as you would like to be treated, and take time to comment on the blogs that you enjoy. And uh, and that's you know a big part of blogging is reaching out in the blogosphere to other bloggers and being a, a, a good. Uh, you know, citizen of the blogosphere. That means commenting if you've enjoyed something. It means sharing stuff that, that you genuinely find useful. Um, and uh, and that's the sort of thing that will, for example, get you the opportunities to maybe write a guest blog somewhere or for someone to guest on your blog. And those are the kinds of things that really will, will move your blogging life forward. And for most, most of the people that listen to this show are authors, and we all understand that if we sell 100 copies of a book, one person is probably going to write a review. And, and the value of that review, especially if it's a good one, it's the same thing with, with blogging and getting comments. 100 people may read it, and only one person is going to write a comment. And as the blogger, you recognize that person who wrote the comment, and you remember them. Absolutely. That's absolutely true. Writing for blogs... A writing blog post. It's it's different than writing fiction, magazine articles, things like that. Writing for the web is different. What should we know about writing for the web? There's a lot of uh, very sort of basic things which I, people may already have heard, but things like keeping short sentences, short paragraphs, making it chunking up so that it's easy to skim through. Think about people who are reading it on different devices and things. Um, I would, uh, those are those, those are the basic tenets. Make it very easy to, to read and skim through. It's usually a more conversational tone uh, when you write on a blog and um, those, those are the main things really. Uh, the other thing I find actually authors... Uh, when they come to me and they start blogging, they say, oh, you know, I've written some posts. Can you take a look? Tell me what you think. And it's very common for them not to have included any links to anything. And and when I bring this up, uh, it's kind of, well, I didn't really think about that. And, of course, why, why would you, unless it had been pointed out, that, the, you know, the, the juice of the web is is links. That that is, that is how people travel around the web. But if unless you think about it, then it's easy to write a whole blog post and then you haven't actually put any links in, even though you may have referenced plenty of places that you could have linked to you know if you reference a website or a person an author another author or a review or or anything or an event uh always you know make that into a hyperlink okay so we're being good blogging citizens we're we're linking to other websites we're commenting we're doing all these things 
Um, how does Google see all of this, and how does this make it more likely that Google is going to display our sites when when people search on the correct search terms? Mm. Well, that's a very good question because uh, people often say, you know, is this going to help me be found in searches? And the short answer is yes, because Google ranks sites on a number of things according to its top secret algorithm, but it does look for recency and it looks for frequency and it looks for authority. So by recency, it wants to see fresh material. So if you're blogging regularly, something that you say today is going to have a lot more relevance uh, in a search uh, soon after than, than something you said, you know, a month ago. So recency is important. Frequency is important. If it, if, it, if it indexes your blog and it's been updated on a regular frequent basis, then that gives you a little bit more uh, kudos in the eyes of the Google bot. Um, and the other thing is authority. So if other websites or blogs have linked to you and they already have a good ranking in Google, then that, that adds a bit of authority to your site. Um, so all of these things do help and it helps you uh, perform better in searches. Okay. We've, we've talked a bit about traffic, the time it takes to generate traffic. How can we actually tell how many people are coming to the website and reading our posts and and doing things with them. Well, blog uh, platforms all have their own stats. They're sort of proprietary stats package. So that's the first place to go to. And uh, if you look at the stats, you can uh, you can get a, f- a feel for quite a lot of things. And it's very it's quite seductive. I, I tend to sort of tell people don't get too bogged down in looking at your stats do look at them but uh, once you start looking at all the detail you know oh wow you know I've had six visits from China or whatever um, but you think well actually is that important do I need to know that so the things you can look at are um, yes how many visitors you've had overall but that is just kind of a, a, an indicator over time really it's important to look at details such as where uh, are my visitors coming from so your stats package will tell you whether you've had people uh, who've followed links from Twitter, for example, uh, or from other blogs or from search engines, and what uh, blog posts are being read the most. So it's really interesting to know what content is actually popular. So that might help shape your editorial calendar in the future. Uh, you, you could also install Google Analytics, for example, um, on a self-hosted blog. Um, I'm not sure about for every platform. I, I don't see why not. Um, but anyway, Google Analytics is uh, is free, uh, and that is the sort of uh, it's just it's massive. You can do so much with that. And personally, I I just I know what I look for there, and that's it. It's quite limited. It's a bit like all of these software programs. I mean, Microsoft Word I use it every day, but I probably only use maybe one percent of its functionality. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you, you use what you need to use. But Google Analytics is also very useful um, to to give you indicators. And all of those stats, I would say, they are they are indicators. They are trends over time. Um, so you know, don't worry too much about your visitor numbers on an absolute day-to-day thing. It's back to that business of, you know, oh, my post went viral and now it's gone back to, you know, only two people a week. But you can find a lot of inf- information about where people are coming from, what they're reading, and uh, and some very interesting trends. One of the things that I find interesting, once you have a few months under your belt, is to look at monthly summations, basically, that show 
how much of your traffic is coming from search, how much is coming from social media, if it's social media, how much from Twitter, from Facebook, from something else. Um, and, and you can make a conscious decision that I want to grow this or that or the other thing. And for me, I, I've made a conscious decision that I want to grow search traffic because I think organic search traffic is valuable. So I've, I've begun to make an effort to be more keyword friendly with the first paragraph of what I write and things like that. But for other people, uh, you might see that I'm, I'm getting 50% of my traffic from Facebook and none from Twitter, but I'm posting on Twitter every day. Why is that not, why is that not working for me? So it, there, are, there are questions that you can, you can ask and answer with the analytics if you're into that kind of thing. Absolutely, absolutely, and those are all you know really good uh, examples of what of what you can do. And this is sometimes uh, another thing people often say. Well, you know, I've got my Facebook page, I've got my Twitter, I'm doing all these things, um, but you know, I, I can't I can't keep them all going, and uh, I don't know which one to give up. And so sometimes that kind of indication is is the way to go. If you've got that many more followers um, on Twitter, then put all your efforts into Twitter plus blog. In fact, I say to people, if you if you're going to do one social platform outside of blogging, then let it be Twitter. I suppose you're going to say, why? The reason I say that is because I think, um, I think Facebook, for example, um, and to a certain extent, Google Plus, it takes, it takes quite a long time to establish yourself there. Unless you, if you already have a big uh, Facebook network, a lot of friends and followers there, and, uh, and, it's, and it's for you, then fine. But if you're, if you're starting from scratch and you don't belong to Facebook, not even, you know, per, you don't have a personal profile, if you if if you've never looked at if you've never heard of google plus which a lot of people say to me they haven't um they've never done twitter of those for example i would say please look at twitter because there's just so much serendipity to it it's a it's a an open thing much more open than 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 facebook which is quite a closed garden um it is it i think it's less i think there is less um uh uh, investment time investment needed to to be successful on twitter than on facebook um that that is my perception uh, over I've, I've been using both facebook and twitter since you know since the start and that, mm -hmm. that has been my feeling and also what people tell me um and and there is also that i don't know who said it but there is that uh, saying that um, Facebook is to connect with the people you went to school with and Twitter is to connect to the people you wish you'd gone to school with. <laughs> I have never heard that. <laughs> Which is kind of cruel, but true in some way. <laughs> All right. I've got a couple questions, a couple final questions. But first, I want to call out something that you said in your book. Uh -huh. uh, you mentioned the importance, if you're an author, of having a media page. Mm -hmm. And... For someone like me, who does interviews like this and is looking for people to interview, or someone contacts me and says, would you interview me, I'm going to go to the website, and that information, having all that information in one place is golden. Yeah. If it's golden for, for me, it's golden for journalists of all types. It's really important, and almost no one does it. It's fascinating, isn't it? Um, yeah, in that chapter... Now, who was it I spoke to? Uh, I'd have to just check. But some, someone I spoke to said exactly that. She was quite vehement about this uh, and, and couldn't understand why 
authors don't make it easy for journalists or anybody to to find uh, not just any old headshot. You know, uh, uh, let's have a, a high res print version of your headshot mm -hmm. available for them to download. Let's have a low res version. Let's have the short bio. Let's have the long bio. Um, let's have all the details of the books and the publishers. You know, what is the problem? Because if you want to be, as you say, interviewed or uh, you know found and uh, invited uh, to, to any all kinds of opportunities with the media, then you've got to make it as easy for them as possible. And why make them jump through hoops? Fill, no, no one, no journalist is going to fill in a, a contact form or or, you know, uh, you know that you've got to make it really real simple. Otherwise, you lose that opportunity and they right. bang, they've gone on. Okay, a couple final questions for you. You've spoken to a bunch of, of authors who blog on the topic of blogging. In, in your opinion, are there a few common traits that the ones that are successful share? Mm, that's a good question. I, it seemed to me that it was those who they stayed true to their their writing and their vision and their goal and they just kept at it you know they didn't give up too easily they they just kept at it and and it is as we said all along you know it is a bit of work I won't say it's hard work you know because that makes it sound like a negative it's a positive thing but it is work and the more you put in I think the more you get out of it in addition to the obvious what are the other things you get out of it Anyway, the obvious being people come to your website, maybe they sign up for your email address, maybe they or, or for your email list, maybe they buy your books. What else is there? I think all the bloggers I spoke to said that they had met some wonderful people through blogging, be it other bloggers, other authors. They'd got, uh, they'd made contacts, uh, you know, in publishing houses. They'd made contacts with readers, particularly readers. You know, I think that that's really valuable because, you know, writing is such a solitary thing. It can be a solitary thing. So to actually have that dialogue and to uh, and to be able to reach out and people reach out to you uh, and you know just just to sort of tweet tweet you or leave a comment and say how much they enjoyed your book it's fantastic that this uh, was not available years ago this this was not a possibility really apart from fan letters i suppose <laughs> in the old days but uh, it, so it's um, it's gratifying so i think it's you know you make good relationships out of it your writing improves uh, i haven't spoken to anyone who disagrees with either of those two things now you've got a new book coming out on blogging in march I do, yes. Tell yes. us about that. Uh, well, it's uh, it's a bit of a, it, although it's another blogging book, it, it's actually different from the last two because it's not a, a manual, it's not a kind of a, a how-to. It is, uh, it's called The Golden Rules of Blogging and When to Break Them. So uh, as the title possibly suggests, it's a little controversial. It's a, it's, it's kind of a little bit tongue in cheek, but it's, uh, it, it's quite serious. You know, I've, I've trawled through the, 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 the kind of ideas of these are the rules of blogging and you must do it this way and you mustn't do this. And, and it's really interesting because for every so-called rule, there is someone who disagrees with it. And so I kind of, got these people together in the book to argue a few things out uh, and and it's quite fun actually so there's 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 people for and against a lot of these these rules <laughs> uh, so it's it's fun but it's also it is informative and there's a lot of resources involved uh, at the back as well pointers and for people that are new to blogging uh, understanding that the rules are the rules maybe for a reason but there are also oftentimes reasons to break those rules can be important that, that's exactly 
forget. Um, you know, we're all uh, kind of making this up as we go along. Let, let's face it. Yeah, there's books been written, but things do change. And right from the start, when you said about, well, you know, the, the whole kind of area of whether writers should even, even be blogging is now, uh, there's, it's swung the other way. So opinions do vary and, um, and opinions on certain so-called rules vary. And, and the technology is changing all the time and uh, the culture is changing because we, we're still learning about this thing called the internet and how to behave on it and how it works and what it could or what it, what it could do for us in the future. It's still very, very early days. So that makes it exciting. And it, it doesn't seem like early days because for most of us, it's been around for much of our lifetime, but it really is still early days. And, and one, <laughs> of the, one of the things that we all learn and that hasn't changed um, is that we need to get people to know who we are if we're going to sell them something, whether it be a book or a product or anything. There needs to be a mechanism for people to know who we are, and blogging is a great mechanism for doing that. I agree. Uh, I think that's exactly it. People need to know, and people want to know. The more that one is able to find out about authors now, the more you think, well, if I can't find out about this author, why not? You know, it's kind of, it's become a bit of a, an expectation in the audience's mind. So uh, let, let's uh, embrace the technology. And, and something I always say as well is that it's as much about, it's more about people than about technology. It's still about making personal connections with people um, and and not to let the technology get in your way, but to embrace the possibilities that it offers and, and just enjoy it. Robin Houghton, thanks so much for your time today and for the education we've all received. We've been talking about your new book, Blogging for Writers. Where can, where can people find it? Uh, thanks, Stephen. Uh, it's been great being here. Thank you very much. Uh, they can, uh, everyone can buy the books from Writer's Digest online uh, in the US, from uh, Amazon in the US and worldwide, and in good bookstores. And how can people keep up with you and your work, Robin? Well, I have a blog called socialmediaforwriters.co.uk, and I blog on there regularly. And there's also uh, an email newsletter that you can sign up for there where, that I send out fortnightly, which is every two weeks. <laughs> I'm not sure what fortnightly is, <laughs> uh, roughly. Uh, I also, if you're interested in poetry, I don't know if anybody listening is interested in poetry. I have a poetry blog called poetgal.co.uk. All right, and we will link up to all of this in the website in the website show notes, which will be theauthorbiz.com slash Robin. So thanks again for your time today. Thanks, Stephen. It's been terrific. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about the show or anything we mentioned during this episode, just check out the website at theauthorbiz.com. You can also subscribe to the show at the site by clicking the big green subscribe button or at iTunes or Stitcher. If you have comments or suggestions, please leave them at the site, or you can email me at authorbiz at gmail.com. I'm Stephen Campbell, and I hope you'll join us again next time.